I'm Jordan Ferguson. And I'm Kate McKinnon. And you are listening to the Geek Down Podcast. What's up, friends? Welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. This is a show where two friends sit in front of microphones and try to find the sweet spots where their fandoms intersect. My name is Jordan Ferguson. I am in Toronto, Ontario, and joining me on the other line, lounging in the satellite branch from scenic Hamilton, Ontario, your girl, Caitlin McKinnon. Hello, everyone. Pep. Such pep. So much pep. All the pep. Friends, this is episode 199, as they are and will be until question mark, whenever lockdown is lifted. Every episode will be 199. We did not talk about this last week. But as we approach the milestone of episode 200, Caitlin McKinnon refuses to publish episode 200 while we are under lockdown. Yep. Yep. And until we are in such a position where we can properly celebrate the milestone, every episode will be episode 199. If you want to listen to any of our other episode 199s or any of our other 199 episodes, just look us up wherever you get your audio content, Geek Down Podcast, give us a follow, and every week... All of our other episode 199s will be brought to you through the air on the back of a rainbow main alicorn named Philip, your man's. Shanti Frostilicus III, geek down internet elf. He's an elf, he's on the internet, and he's ours. Also, very funny comment from Kaim Dar about Chauncey. Hmm. He uh, sent me a message saying, you know, he has all these accreditations. PhD. I think he has several PhDs. Yes. Uh, oh, what else? His his. He's got his um, PMP. He's a, per, his, he's a personal trainer. He's personal trainer. Yeah. Uh, his PMP. Um, he's an accountant. All kinds of things. He's got MBA, a CPA, MBA, CPA, yeah. LLB. All of that, and he is still only a delivery man, <laughs> um, which. Obviously, like, and as Kaim put it, no wonder he's Muslim. Wow. Uh, which I thought was pretty apt. But then I told him, no, 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 Kaim. He's not just a delivery man. He does all those other things and is a delivery man because he loves the show so much. He chooses to spend his time this way, giving y'all yeah. fresh episodes of The Geek Down directly into your device. You don't have to do anything if you like to this thank him. This is a him. crisis. This is a crisis. He's going to do his best for everyone. <laughs> it is true. Chauncey is the definition of an essential worker. And you can count on him to stay working. Our man gets busy. Get if you'd busy. like to thank him, get at us on any social media, primarily Twitter. Get above Twitter. That's where we spend most of our time, at GeekDownPod. You can keep up with all my gambling. Ooh, it's a good, it's a good, it's a good one last night, Kate. Woo, we were partying last night. This is when Caitlin's like, I should really spend more time policing <laughs> what he does on the social media. If you would like to support this show financially, don't. The economy is still collapsing. Keep your money. If you find $3 on the street and you want to say thank you, you can go to ko-fi.com slash geekdownpod and buy us a coffee or let us put it in a dish so we can collect a few of them and then go out and buy coffee to make in our own homes because I'm never going to a Tim Hortons again. <laughs> yeah, I know. We're taking new st- we're taking new steps to help promote social distancing in our Tim Hortons dining rooms. Good luck with that. 
Parkdale Tim Hortons. We don't believe you. Yeah. That dining room is just like a refugee camp of Tibetans just camping for nine hours a day. Good luck telling them. And lots of other people, like... Like, the one in Greektown, there's a big Tim Hortons in Greektown. Mm. It's full of Greek and Italian men. <laughs> like, that is their their club. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying that it's just Tibetans at every Tim Hortons, but I live in Little Tibet, so it's filled with Tibetans in my yeah. neighborhood. So, good luck trying to designate every other table as, like, you know, to be remained empty to ensure social distancing. It's not going to work. I can't, what, what week is this even? I don't even know what week we're in right now. Uh, this is... Kate doesn't give a fuck week. Yeah, this is this is kind of uh oh what's this is the Freaky Friday week of the Geek Down because Jordan's just kind of like yeah. meh. he's not overly like angry and Kate is like a race car in the red. I don't know what happened to this girl this week, but she has just been on one. She is the Funk Flex bomb drop personified. I just picked up the phone today and the first words out of her mouth were like I don't you know I don't give a fuck. I just don't, I just don't give a fuck. She's like she is literally like a thirty two year old tea drinking Marshall Mathers right now. She's just like both middle fingers up. Like <laughs> she is Dave Chappelle in the hater sketch. She's like, I hate you. I hate you. I don't even know you and I hate your guts. I hope all the bad things in life happen to you and nobody else. I I I kind of as we've been talking about this, I kind of figured out what it is. Hmm. Or or part of it at least. I know part of it is probably just the world is messed up and my brain is trying to protect itself as much as possible. But another part of it is motherfucking protesters. <laughs> Kate. What? My freedom. I don't care about your my freedom. My freedom, I Kate. I want you to go home. Go home. I can't go to the Toronto Islands and, like, be there with all of nature and water and beauty because that's that's just a random thing I chose that I probably won't be able to do this summer because it'll be too crowded and I don't want to be a vector of disease nor do I want to contract the disease if I can help it but you you with your stupidness you're stupid (laughs) going out there being like uh freedom or death it's not just your death though (laughs) Sure, if it was your just yours, great. But we're talking about a bunch of other people. You know what we're talking about, Jordan? Hmm. Babies. <laughs> you fucking babies. No, no, no. No, they're impacting babies. Oh. <laughs> also, they are Don't babies. Don't you impact babies? Well, Caitlin, babies can't get it, though. Actually, there might be a different strain that's causing an inflammatory disease in, in children. Did you just actually so, me on my yes. own fucking show? I did. <laughs> you know why, Jordan? Why, Kate? You want to know why? Why, Kate? Because I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I don't give a fuck about you. I don't give a fuck about, well, actually, on this show, I don't give a fuck. I just don't give a fuck. Oh my god, y'all, this is gonna be the best episode ever. Yeah, Caitlin just has Do you have any of these people like in your lives though? Mm-mm. Okay, so like No, because if I did, they would get <laughs> like an earful. I have this person in my life who like throughout our relationship, it's somebody uh, who like I didn't work with per se, but I mean we worked in the same 
building and we kind of like (laughs) – it started from just kind of like we teach each other in passing and mutually shit talk somebody we didn't like. So, I mean, that's always what the best friendships are (laughs) are based on. Um, And I think she thinks it's just like – like playful banter like sarcastic banter but it's also really in there me just telling her what i think with no filter and she just thinks i'm like you know kidding or fucking around um like so i finally got masks this week thank you bezos but also also fuck you bezos so i have masks now i have a pack of five they're like actually (laughs) too good it's like i said before the mics came on i've traded my anxiety stomach ache for the lack of oxygen migraine (laughs) I come home and it's just like, Jesus, do I need to wear a breathe right strip and this thing? Like, I'm sure after a while I won't notice it, but like, you know, with the fresh go, it was like, <gasps> so I like, you know, as, as averse as I am to just the mask becoming like a fashion accessory, I'm getting Instagram ads of like, you know, chicks laying on the hood of a car with like a fucking daffodil, you know, cloth mask, just being like, oh, you know. Rock this summer, make this, like, shut the fuck up. Anyway, but it, it was a gorgeous day in Toronto on, on Saturday and Sunday as we're recording. It's pretty nice out. And I, you know, got up at dawn, went out to the fresh go gorgeous day, took a selfie with like the mask on titled it like beautiful day in the new normal. Cause that's, that's our life now. And I get, <laughs> I get this message from this girl and she's like, get the fuck out. And she's like, did you seriously wear a mask to go for a walk? I was like, no woman. I was like going to the grocery store. Like also, why do you care? It's like, I never wear a mask when I go to the grocery store. I'm like, yeah, you probably walk down the wrong direction, down the aisles all the time, doing whatever the hell you want. She's like, that's right. I do what I want. I'm like, yeah, you're a fucking Karen in training. Just go get the haircut now. Like, (laughs) as as if we learned anything with the internet, white ladies don't like being called Karen. She was just like, I'd never get that haircut. I was like, because hey, you think I'm joking right now. You literally are. You're literally a white woman just sitting here telling me that, like, you can do whatever you want. In late March, she was going to her grandfather's house. I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, it's his birthday. I'm like, that's not the Damn. point. <laughs> it's like, well, we're all going. It's like, it even worse. <laughs> anyway. The whole mask as a uh, new totem of the culture war is just, that's the point. I'm like losing it with America. It's like, you know what, America, you've had your time. You've given, given ample opportunities <laughs> to listen and to not be you. You continually refuse. So that's what, anyway. that's where we're at this week, y'all. Rage week with Jordan Kate. As I said on can Twitter. Be, oh, oh, man. I'm sorry. Can I, I? I hate to interrupt, but can I make it a snap into a Slim Jim week? It's <laughs> your general feeling. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the best part about doing drops and posts is Kate doesn't know that now it's, like, super easy for me to just, like, drop YouTube dr- shit, like, anything. I don't have to do it on the fly like <laughs> I do when we're recording live because, you know, friends, behind the curtain, it's a soundboard I have on my iPad, but there's only, like, so many, you know, it's, like, 16 buttons on the soundboard. So you, that's why maybe the drops get a little stale after a while, but now I'm just like, I hear something while I'm doing the edit and it's like, let me just go get that real quick. Certainly there's a macho man, just the, Oh yeah. On YouTube. (laughs) So now I just leave them in for Kate to find later. Or like when I'm, why, why am I going to try to approximate what Mao Tamita sounds like when she runs in screaming from the side of the, (laughs) from the side of the shot. I can just play it for y'all. Who knows what you'll get this week. Uh, but anyway, 
as I was saying on Twitter, yeah, it's real, uh, the good thing about the mask though, is it really completes my typical sunglass earbuds, shut the world out, um, motif. Yeah. You're, you know what? You're training for Japan. This is good. <laughs> I, I got some new, uh, we'll talk about more about, you know, feelings about Japan later in the show, but I got some, uh, this, I didn't know where it was going to come up, but it came up organically. I got some, uh, extra, extra motivation to, uh, to really refocus on the trip when things start to settle, Kate. And that was when what one was of that? that was when one of my favorite Japanese porn stars left me a comment on Instagram. What? <laughs> encouraging me to go when the virus settles. Damn, son. Wow. <laughs> Japanese <laughs> travel marketing. They just sell every show to anybody. Now, to be fair, she has great I'm not gonna say her name because y'all don't know how y'all need to know how I get down. In every aspect of my life, but you know, she has an Instagram. I follow her on Instagram, and she has great taste in music. She's put me up on like five amazing songs, like Japanese artists that I didn't know or knew, but didn't know that song. So she had you know DMs open on her on her profile. And I was like, eh, fuck it. I just was like, you have great taste in music. Thank you. And I woke up the next day to this comment that on my last Instagram post where I was you know showing off some of the records I ordered to console myself. When the trip fell apart, and yeah, just this woman said, when the virus settles, can you come, you can come visit Japan. Heart emoji. I'm like, yes, I will. Yeah, yes, yes, I will. Be yes, there. I Give will. Give me a second. Give me a minute. Oh, dear. Um, I know we're, we're going to talk about Japan later, but um, I, and I know we're going to talk about the things we watched, but I have been watching... All of the videos about Japan. Uh-huh. You said you were showing senior correspondent snack videos before we started? So, I have been really getting into the, like, day in the life of X in Japan. Oh, is that Paolo from Tokyo does those? One, He does one, and then somebody else does them as well. Hmm. Um, and just, like like that type of thing um but also i've always been really interested in like japanese food and architecture and history like i japan is very fascinating um and i don't know why but like maybe it's because i'm like fuck everything but i've gotten like really <laughs> i just want to watch those videos right now like they i just find them wildly comforting um, and desperately now want to travel to Japan. Thanks a lot, Jordan. Hey, you got more time. Um, Start saving. <laughs> Start saving my pennies now. I, yeah, I I was talking about kombinis to a senior correspondent, and I was like, I said something about like their egg salad sandwiches, and he's like, are they just egg salad sandwiches? And I was like, no, no, no my friend, no sir, and no sir, and like showed him someone. Like showed him that, and then showed him something about kombinis, and like, anyways, uh, I just yeah, we got really into it, and I was like, oh no, I gotta go do the podcast. <laughs> um, but they're really comforting and just like a cool hang. <laughs> you just, you know, d definitely if you're gonna watch Japanese food videos, videos though, have food on you because <laughs> they will make you snacky. Very important. Mm-hmm. Well, kid, we got we got uh, I got three items of news here worth mentioning before we move on to how we've been getting through another week in lockdown. 
And they are all about things that are old. Things that we've talked oh. about on the show before. New new stories about old things. New stories about old things. Yes. Excellent. Uh, the first of which has to do with Community. Beloved sitcom by both Kate and myself and most people we know. The Community temperature is kind of reaching a fever pitch right now. It has hit Netflix in the States. And as they added their kind of like top ten that you can see on Netflix now, you know, they've kind of pulled back that curtain a little bit, whereas before Netflix used to say nothing. Now you can see kind of what the top 10, what the trending shows on any given day are. And Community has been a bit of a fixture on there since it since it started up. So on the one hand, talk of the infamous six seasons in a movie is continuing again. Yeah. Harmon gave an interview, uh, a recent interview with Entertainment Weekly, I think, where he basically said, like, you know, Something like that happens, the market notices, and conversations start happening. Um, right. Again, none of this is... it's, Which is really kind of what we had said before when... I don't know when it came... Oh, when Alison Brie made that kind of, like, vague comment about it a couple months ago. Which was that, you know, as these new services start up, they need content, they need a killer app. Maybe it behooves some of them to, like, revisit a show like Community. And know that, like, you know, if Peacock or something isn't getting the buyers or the subscribers they want, you know, they could probably get a sharp uptick from a certain segment of nerds. If it's like, oh, by the way, here's a community movie. So that was the one part of it. The other part was there was a full cast reunion table read for charity um, that I think is airing tomorrow or yesterday, as you're hearing this, May 18th. It was dropping. Full cast, Donald was there. The only person they couldn't get, it was the episode where, spoilers for Community, uh, it was a bottle episode from season five that, it was the episode that set up Donald Glover's character's Troy, his departure. So we had one more episode after this, but this was the episode that kind of like set up that the character was going to leave. Mm-hmm. And the only person they couldn't get was Walter Goggins, who was the guest star on that episode, but they got fucking Pedro Pascal to fill in. <laughs> Oh my god, that's amazing. <laughs> Which is amazing to me. I was watching, like, the trailer for it, and I was like, is that fuck Pedro fucking Pascal? Um, <laughs> and also, I haven't listened to this yet, but there's a... Ken Jong and Joel McHale do a podcast called The Darkest Timeline, apparently. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was hilarious. They just have, like, really good chemistry. See, part of me is, like... I Like, I consider that... I hold that show so close for a number of reasons. And... You know, I understood when Donald left, but at the same time, I didn't want to watch it and have it be the vibe where, like, not that he was going to come off as being, like, too good now, but, like, he's clearly gone on and done much more with his career than maybe with the exception of Alison Brie. Um, anyone else has? I'm going, to, I'm going to say, like, one one just, like, sample of that just because you brought that up. Mm. So they <laughs> they were making fun of him because... Oh, I can't remember his name. I feel really bad. Uh, the guy who plays Abed. Danny Pudi. Danny Pudi. Um, he was joking about ha- having, like, Donald ask him to listen to, like, his his, his album. Mm. And Danny's like, imagine if it sucked. <laughs> I had to be like, wow, that's great. It was very funny. And, and no, Donald just, like, he was really chill. And they seemed like they still hang out and are friends and... Yeah, Donald's gone on to do a lot, um, and they like they kind of made fun of it, not like in a uh, like ripping on him way, just sort of like a 
an obvious he's very, very talented. Well, the headline that made the rounds was that, you know, watch this clip of Donald realize, Donald Glover realizing he's not in the group chat. <laughs> yes, that was, oh, that was really, really funny. And they were all they legit just like, well, we thought you'd be really busy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so they just have like a genuineness about their relationship with each other. Um, and it was really, it made me want to like watch the series all over again. Like it just... <laughs> Seem like they had a really, really good time and that they have a really good time together. So fingers crossed that they do make something because that would be awesome. This was the anecdote that made me want to go back and and watch this despite my initial reservations was I saw some article where apparently they were talking about (laughs) Joel McHale and Donald Glover having this bit where Donald Glover played a homeless man that was constantly trying to get (laughs) Joel McHale to put his dick in his mouth. One of them was, uh, penises are now illegal. (laughs) You should hide it in my mouth. So stupid. God bless him. Uh, So that is, you know, hey, like Kate said, fingers crossed. It's, if there was ever going to be a time, it seems like now might be it. Um, And also what we really need is some sort of book talking about community and the impression community is made. Yeah, somebody should write that. And yeah, someone should write that. Someone should sure. write that. Um, I wish I knew someone who was a writer. Moving on. Who could really, you know, because of his love of the show and his, I mean, he, somebody who's already written something, talking about something he really loved and being able to break it down in a really interesting way. I don't. It would be great if. I don't. I knew someone like that. I don't like. I don't give a fuck, Kate. Uh, moving on to the second item of note: uh, new stories about old things. I did not think this was going to be what he was talking about when Neil Gaiman tweeted that he was going to have some Sandman news the, the following morning. I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be relating to the uh, Netflix show, but it was not. It was not. Instead, we are having. A giant audio drum. This must have just been like air horn noises for for Caitlin McKenna. Oh my god! Hot audio drama. Hot audio drama news. It was like the I really perfectly when I could like use a Venn diagram, but there's like you know when there's a Venn diagram, but there's like eight circles. <laughs> All just meeting in the center, and at the center of it yeah. is Caitlin McKenna. Um, so yeah, this is going to be an audio drama series as the BBC doing it or is it audible? It's on going to be on audible. I don't know if they're financing it or not, but I don't know. Um, I, I just was more interested sort of like in the cast and stuff mm-hmm. and who was like producing it. Um, it possibly is the BBC. Um, he, uh, Neil Gaiman has worked with, um, McAvoy before. Yes. Uh, for never. Oh were. my gosh. Neverwhere, yes. Um, and McAvoy did a great job. Um, I really enjoyed him in that role. And, it's, you know, there are some actors who don't – they're not as good as, as voice actors. Like, they just don't have that range. And that's fine. It's not, you know, where they're a Viking. I get it. <laughs> but there are some people, like Derek Jacoby, who do a great job. Um Anyway, so McAvoy's done that before. Um, I really love the casting. Um, I'm going to bring it up. If that's no, I have, okay. some, I have some of them written down here. You can fill in some of the ones I don't have. Okay. But yeah, uh, James McAvoy is playing Morpheus. Kat Dennings is playing Death. Which, which an, is a really interesting choice. Be curious to see how that shakes out. very excited about it. 
Uh, Riz Ahmed is playing the Corinthian. Mm-hmm. And those are the top three ones that I jotted down that seem noteworthy, but they're un- and Gaiman himself is playing the narrator. Uh, this is going to adapt this first batch hitting on July 15th, I think, is going to consist of stories from the first three volumes, which seems sizable, but I don't, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't see, it seems like a lot. A lot happens in those three books, but uh, yeah, that's uh, Preludes and Nocturnes, uh, Doll's House, and Seasons of the Mists, I believe. Because, um, yes, somebody's playing Lucifer in there. Is it Michael Sheen? Yes. Um, Andy Serkis is playing Matthew the Raven. Uh, Taryn Egerton is playing John Constantine. Uh, Samantha Morton is playing Urania Blackwell. Um, and that's, like, basically the, the big ones. Yeah, so a lot of people on Twitter were like, well, what about, you know, Cain and Abel and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, it, there's like a like a giant list of actors on here, but just like the headshot actors oh, are yeah. the ones that they're talking about. Like, every character's in there. Like, be cool, y'all. I'm just excited that Andy Serkis and Michael Sheen are in one place, because now we know they're they're not the same person. <laughs> Kate, it's audio. You can't trust that. Uh, but but you can see their pictures side by side. I mean, they could be brothers, but they're not the same person. Deep fake. Fake news. <laughs> My freedom. Uh, yeah, so My that's freedom. that's going to hit on your audio content providers of choice, uh, Audible. I don't know if there will be a hard copy of it, per se, or if it's going to get broadcast anywhere. But you have Google. You can look that up yourself. But yeah, uh, July... 15th that's going to drop and probably possibly the first in what will be a few volumes of this it's a 10 volume series and they're only doing the first three in this batch so yeah so that is a uh, new story about old thing number two new story about old thing number three something i forgot to so mention old things something i forgot to mention this is not a new it's not even a new story it's, a, it's like a three-week-old story on an old thing is uh <laughs> charlie brooker Showrunner for Black Mirror telling the UK's Radio Times that, yeah, he's not really interested in working on that show right now, because, uh... Because, <laughs> <laughs> why? <laughs> Who feels like writing Black Mirror in the current <laughs> current global... Climate. State climate, yes, thank you. Uh, yeah, he's just basically like, uh, dystopian. The world's dystopian enough right now. <laughs> um, did you... You had some things you wanted to get off your chest before we got into updates? A little bit. Go in, son. So, well, okay, it's tied into things I'm interested in. I am always excited and happy when something that I thought I would be the only person interested in it comes to light as, like, a television show or a movie or whatever. (laughs) Um, And I need to, like, sort of – I feel like I need to meet these people um, because I want to just be like, thank you. Uh, for watching me and looking at my Google history um, and making a show. So there is a show called Dead Still. Dead Still. Which is a double entendre, which I love in a show name. I just think that's like, mwah. Um, It's uh, basically a dark comedy about, in a slash Victorian murder uh, mystery series, about, um, so there's something that happened in the Victorian age where they, they used to do uh, photos of those who had passed, um, but they would make them look alive or sleeping. So they would be like a family photo, 
and then there would be like the dead person in the middle. Uh huh. Or they would just do the dead person. It was just a big. Um, it was all the rage in Victorian England, <laughs> um, and and Britain and Ireland. It's the TikTok um, of Victorian England. Yeah. So this one is set in the show set in 1880s Dublin. The, basically, it's it's this trio of characters. Um, the main guy is the photographer. Uh, his niece works with him, and then there's this other gentleman who's wanting to be a he's a he's a was a grave digger. He's looking to to get into this weird dead photography business, and it's also a murder mystery. Which I'm just like, yeah, like a show about this whole rage in weird dead Victorian photography um, would have been enough. But you throw a murder mystery into it, and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm there. I'm so there. I'm interested in photography. I'm interested in dead people. I'm interested in, in Victorian England. I'm interested interested in murder and mystery and corpses and weird stuff. I just, yeah. They basic again. This is like a eight circle Venn diagram of all my interests. The thing that I'm frustrated about is that when I was looking up where to watch this, it came up that it was going to be on Acorn TV. This is an Acorn show if ever there was one. Yep. Uh, Guess who just canceled their subscription? No! I was like, oh, well, there's nothing on here I really want to watch anyway. Nope, I'm going to have to... I'm going to have to subscribe again. Look what you did. I know. You get a separate email email address? Can you scam a separate email address for... For another free month? Possibly. Possibly. But, like, I'm just so excited about this. One of the pictures is just this gentleman drinking tea. Like, <laughs> even that. What, what, is, what is this called again? Dead Still. Dead Still. Yeah. So, my frustration is that, yes, I, I canceled the Acorn TV thinking, taking a look through, I'd watched a couple things, being like, okay, that's that's fine. Everything else I'm just like, oh, about, I don't need Acorn TV. <sighs> Apparently I do. Narr- the other thing. <laughs> Narrator voice, but I, she did need Acorn TV. <laughs> I, I did need Acorn TV. The, the second thing I'm, I'm frustrated about is journalism. <laughs> Have you been watching um, Trial by Media? <laughs> This is probably part of the I don't fucking care anymore thing because there are things going on with journalism at the moment that I think highlight some of the issues that the Fifth Estate has been having, is having, um, and a lot of it has to do with like finding stories or opinion pieces where there aren't really any. So uh, an, uh, something came out from the National Post and then also the Wall Street Journal. There were very similar articles. Both right-wing papers? Both about how we don't really need to social distance as much as we're doing. Uh-huh. And my, like, my only thought, and maybe this is extreme, but my only thought is how many deaths um, how many dead people is it worth to start up the economy? Like, what's your calculation? Um, Clearly, we are well past it. 
Well, yes, but like they're like, let's open things up more. We need the Trudeau government is is over exaggerate or sorry, the Trudeau government is exaggerating. You can't over exaggerate. Um, and is they don't we don't really they they've they're fear mongering. We don't really need to social distance as much as possible or as much as we are doing. And I'm like, fuck you. Like, have you? Is and they they say that it's it's business, it's heads of businesses and people in the medical community. And I'm like, who are these people? Like, how much did you pay them? <laughs> like, I just it made me very angry and frustrated. And I've seen other articles, even from things like the Global Mail and the Toronto Star, about you know they're picking these weird things to make stories out of. Kate, you got to hear both sides. Gotta yeah, hear, gotta hear, like we said last not, week, Kate, got to hear both sides. But the the only thing I can think, Jordan, is don't we have enough to fucking deal with right now? <laughs> like they're picking such weird stories, weird things to make about COVID-19 to make into these articles. I Maybe they're bored. Maybe they don't have enough work. I don't know. But it's sort of getting frustrated where I'm like, we don't care we're dealing with so many other things. Um, and so that has made me very frustrated. That's Caitlin's frustration quarter. Maybe a new thing now. <laughs> Fuck astronomy minute. <laughs> Don't you ever talk that way about uh, the astronomy minute. <laughs> Caitlin's astronomy corner will stay forever. You know, know what? Know what? It's it, it's it's not even, uh, it's not frustration corner. It's frustration pedestal. What we call it? <laughs> what it really is? Frustration pedestal. We'll see. We'll see what happens next week. Maybe I would have calmed down by then. Uh, like I saw, he writes for the New York Times now, but he used to be the chief political guy at Slate, which I think is when I started following him on Twitter. Basically, like you know, taking one of these more freedom types, you know, going too far, blah blah blah. <laughs> He's, He's just like, my father-in-law died from COVID-19, but I'm very sorry you can't get a haircut. Yeah. That's basically, basically it. Or like that tweet I saw like months ago from like, she was like a text exchange with my seven-year-old mother. She's like, should I kill myself for the stock market? (laughs) I prefer you didn't, mom. Just think of the profit margins. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Anyway, was that it for news and complaints of the day? Should we move on to updates? We're just zipping through this episode, but Lord knows we were due. Uh, well, actually, I do have a question. You have a question? I promise no yeah. answers, but... I have a question, and I feel like you might know the answer. Oh, Lord. So I have a... Just so everyone knows, like, the way I, it worked, usually I would have, like, a notebook, but I usually just open... Before we do the episode, I open, like, a, a notepad, or not notepad, um, sticky notes on mm. my computer, and I'll write, like, TV shows, and then write down what I've watched, books, whatever plays, things I'm interested in. In this case, I've written what with a question mark, and then <laughs> under it, I put Galaxy Express 999. Uh-huh. Is that a thing you know about? Is that a thing I should watch? Um, it's old, yeah. Uh, Galaxy Express 3.9, I think it's technical, the title is, now I'm well actually, I think the title is 3.9, it's one of those weird Japanese things where it's like, yes, it's just three number nines, it's technically Galaxy Express 999, but they call it Galaxy Express 3.9. It is based on a manga by Leiji Matsumoto from the 70s slash 80s, I think. It's, I 
don't know enough about his shared universe. Um, he was responsible for Space Battleship Yamato, which became Star Blazers in North America. He also had uh, Captain Harlock, Queen Emeraldus, um, and a bunch of these kind of like swashbuckly exploration space operas. That's the word I was looking for, space opera type stories. I don't know if Star Blazers is connected to this, but I think Galaxy Express and Captain Harlock share a universe. Um, and it's literally a train that goes through space, right? Isn't it? I, I don't know. <laughs> it just looked really cool. And I was like, it's old. Jordan will know about this. He's old. You would know Leiji Matsumoto because he was handpicked by Daft Punk to do all the videos for the album Discovery. Oh. Interste- Interstellar cool. 5555, whatever. Like, that was Leiji Matsumoto. Yeah. And they picked him because they were fans of Harlock Star Blazers, Queen Emeraldus, Galaxy Express, all that, all that business. I mean, I don't, it's probably like 900 episodes, like every show that came out back then. Uh, what'd you see this on? Buried in Amazon Prime or something? Or Oh my God. Um, where did I see this? I think it was literally just something that, oh, it might've been on like um, uh, IO9 or something. Mm. I was going through sort of like news and I saw that they'd like, re- I think re- did something or remastered it maybe. And I was like, huh, I didn't go much into the article, but it looked really interesting. And I like trains and I like (laughs) galaxies and numbers. So I thought maybe, I don't know. It looked kind of interesting. I I never know. I never know where to get in on any of his stuff. Like there was a CGI uh, Harlock movie that came out not too long ago. It was on Netflix for a spell. I'm pretty sure I watched it. I just may have never brought it up. You can kind of like keep up. But it always seems like there's this huge, like, backstory with all these characters that, like... Right. If you knew all the encyclopedic sort of, you know, inter- intertextuality of all be- between the two shows and whatnot, you'd get more out of it. But it's normally just, like, I think t- it was also kind of like an Adventure of the Week type of thing where it's like, hey, there's Emeraldus and her fucking, you know, space train going from <laughs> planet to planet and solving problems and shit. Um, cool. I'm never going to tell somebody not to watch old anime or shit based off of old anime so yeah get back to us later about that amazing to look that article up myself um, um also i i forgot i did have some news oh go ahead then i have news about besides this galaxy ssi 9 i also have news about old things it's just a real throwback edition of the geek down pod i i know so apparently there is a new star trek star trek spinoff this is, it's going to follow, so as I may have spoken about, in Discovery, Captain Pike, number one, and, and Spock showed up. And Captain Pike, um, Ansel Egort, or whatever his name was, what is it? Anson Mount, there we go. Oh. <laughs> Anson Mount, um, who played uh, something cowboy-y, uh, Hell on Wheels. He played the main character in Hell on Wheels. He played Captain Pike. He did a great job as Captain Pike. Really, like, sort of the the classic, like, captain everyone wants to be like. You know, he's charismatic and understanding and not too quick on, like, he, he wasn't quick on the draw as far as, like, he, he always wants to talk things out first. And anyways, and, and also I really liked uh, number one, who's played by uh, Re- Rebecca Roman. The only problem I had was with Ethan Peck's Spock. Um, but I think that's a really hard character to do. But I still, I had my, my quibbles. 
with with his playing that character. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, I think because people enjoyed it so much, they're doing a Star Trek spinoff with that will follow Captain Pike, number one, and Spock on, I'm guessing, the Enterprise, um, which is really, really interesting and I think going to be a lot of fun. I don't know when this is planning to air for because of COVID. There's like really no no all, timeline. All I'm the sure. all the news right now is just like a script was bought because that's all they can that's all they can do. Yeah. Um. So I think it's going to be called Star Trek: Strange New Worlds. Um. And yeah, I'm I'm excited. Uh, I kind of wish Spock wasn't there, but that's okay. <laughs> Um, and yeah, that's pretty exciting, uh, especially for anyone who likes sort of classic-y Trek. We'll see if they can capture that same, like, hokiness. Um, fingers crossed. Um, next is, uh, something that I thought was dead was way back when, when Mad Max Fury Road had come out. Oh, yes. There had been a, a lot of talk about a Furiosa prequel or sequel, uh, spin-off, um, and that was apparently going to be the next movie. And then it sort of just it came to nothing. It was sort of just, like, oh, no, that's didn't. not it's not going to be done that way. Apparently, there had been some rumors that uh, George Miller was going to be working on something, and the rumors are true. Um, he is working on a Furiosa movie that is a prequel. Um, apparently, though, it won't be Charlize Theron playing the character because he had apparently approached her about doing it and then like de-aging her like they've done in a mm. lot of films lately and she, I, I guess I don't know she didn't want to do it because she doesn't like the technology or she just has a full schedule or just wants to spend time with her family or whatever but so they're looking for a younger actress to play that that character I think it's going to be very difficult because Charlie Theron did a great job with that character but anyway so I think that's really cool i like mad max movies i mean nothing will live up to the thunderdome but um <laughs> i think jerry road came close um and hopefully this will also be a lot of fun but yeah so those are two old things that are getting kind of new life i don't think i ever told you that uh one of my favorite gun running missions on grand Th- gta online is like there's a few there's one where you drop them around to different spots or you like take a monster truck up into the mountains or um, but my favorite one is literally Fury Road. It's like, you can't stop for anything. So we fitted a big rig with like a giant cow catcher and it's just like drive. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> you, you have 15 minutes to get to your location. The cops will come for you. Just drive. And the cops are fucking bouncing off the cow catcher. You're driving through everything. And this thing literally looks like from the Fury Road combine. It's good times. So good. Kate. Yeah. How you been spending your quarantine time? Well, the first thing is that, again, maybe it's this, like, a need for comfort, but I have, in quick succession, watched two movies that I loved as a child mm-hmm. um, and have watched many, many times, and they both involve secrets. Uh, one is The Secret <laughs> Garden from 1995. Did you make me watch that? I feel like you did. Uh, d- does this sound familiar? The spores, Mary! The yes. spores! Yes, definitely. <laughs> definitely <laughs> okay. sounds familiar. Yep. So, there we are. And the second is, and I, I'm pretty sure I did make you watch this as well, The Secret of Roninish. 
That I don't know if you made me watch. Oh, my God. How have I not done that? Okay. So, well, the first thing – sorry. It's from 1993, not 1995, um, The Secret Garden. And I have – I mean, that movie, it had my, like, first – and I have to mention this because it came up in conversation with a friend. My first live-action crush. Oh, God, yes. We did talk about this. What the fuck was his name? Pudge? Uh, His name was Dickon. Dickon. Thank you very much. Um, and he talked to all the animals uh, and just was like followed by like a herd of strange animals at all times and had a pony. And The Secret of Roninish is actually based on um, a tale about Scotland. It's called uh, it's called Secret of uh, Ron Moore Scary. Um, they adapted it into an Irish movie. I don't know why the change, but it works. It's it's like a perfect movie. Um, it's lovely and it's like heartfelt and is very. I'm just gonna say like uh, Celtic. Um, and it's I at some point I'm gonna have to make you watch it. I thought I had made you watch it, but apparently not. Anyways, I that is up. Uh, I think on. Amazon Prime, and I was very excited because the only version I have of it is like a super old VHS. Uh, so that's great. And they remastered it a bit, I think. So those are the movies I watched. Uh, this week for date night, we actually verged away from musicals to watch Macbeth. <laughs> One of the things I love about Senior Correspondent is he loves Shakespeare as much as I do, but he had never seen Macbeth. Um, and I have an issue with Macbeth because in high school it was one of it was the play we did as sort of our I was in this advanced English class and it was the play we did and we like really dissected it and learned about it and every time I see it I get angry because all they do is is yell in that in that play and I don't know why I don't know if it's because they think it, you know Scottish people all they do is yell um but every time I see it all the actors are basically directed to just like yell through it and I've never seen a production of Macbeth that I enjoyed same thing with uh we watched it um you can watch a bunch of stuff that's from Stratford um they've put sort of a, bu- a bunch of stuff online same with National Theatre Live They've also put a bunch of stuff online. Um, so I am on the hunt for, mo- for a really good version of Macbeth. This one was okay. Um, if you know of it out there, please send me a link on Facebook or the Twitter. I'm sure Jordan will make sure I get it. Um, I'm just, I really, even if it's a movie version, um, there was a movie version of Fassbender. And I don't know if it's any good. If it is, please let me know. Um, anyways, so on the hunt for a good Macbeth, but that's what we did for date night. Then TV shows. So of course there's this standard, uh, CAD file and murder she wrote, but, uh, Shira has come back Yes. for its, its fifth and final season. Um, and I was a little bit worried because it felt like they had to wrap a lot of stuff up mm-hmm. in one season. I'm five episodes in, and I've been delighted. Delighted, y'all. Delighted. I, I doesn't feel rushed. I actually think I like this season better than maybe last season. Um, 
but anyways, I just, there's so many things I'm delighted about. It doesn't feel rushed to me. I mean, the problem with doing an analysis of a show like this is that when it comes down to it, it's a children's show. <laughs> it's a children's show. Um, so when people are like, you know, it, how do you really show war and the children's show? I'm like, it's a children's show. Like, it's it's okay if you're not going to, full, you know, show the full effects of war on people on a children's show. Anyway, so I've really been impressed with that and been enjoying it. Books, I am still going, getting through Warlock. Uh, oh, right. The, co- the comic book series I'm, I'm reading. It's like a, the compendium. Warlock, comma, um, Adam. Right. S- sorry? Warlock, comma, Adam. Right. It is interesting. Old comic books are weird. Mm-hmm. Super weird. I'm still enjoying the, like... The drawings, definitely you could see a change when it went from, I think it's called Strange Tales, colon, Warlock, to just a Warlock title. And I could see that some of the same people were working on it, but I think, I don't know if it was the change of, I don't know if comic books have, like, I know they have editors. I don't know if they have, like, producers who, like, (laughs) are like, this thing needs to be judged, or you guys really need to work on your... um, you know, your your writing or whatever. But there was a change where they used kind of a, like more funny literary devices. Mm. Something that we would maybe be more common or more familiar with now where they like would like cut the action or there would be like breaking of the fourth wall. Almost sort of like they were enjoying the silliness of it. Whereas before when it was Strange Tales, it was really clunky, I felt. Um, and a lot of like exposition in the in the writing. There is still some of that. Anyways, it's been a really educational experience because I don't have a lot of familiarity with older comic books. Right. So yeah, this has been interesting. And Gamora's there. It's nice to see like her show up and things and how the character's different. Isn't Drax hanging around too? Not yet. There's Pip the Troll. Right. Uh, which I'm like, okay, sure guys. Um, who has, I'm guessing, well, he is supposed to be the, like, comedic relief, yes. but is terrible. And Gamora's there, and I'm pretty sure, uh, oh, what's his name? You know, he's purple. Um, Caitlin, I will put little Spanish flea under you again. <laughs> there was a little Spanish flea, a record star. It's I got it. It's um, Thanos. Oh my god! Thanos is about to show up. You know, it's like uh, guy who snaps his fingers. Like I just, I, you know, I was like, he's got the bejeweled glove, like that guy. He's like Michael Jackson, right? He's got the he's got the glove on one hand, like he's got shiny, 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 shiny glove, man. Thanos is Thanos, about to show y'all. up because Adam Warlock is fighting himself, but his future self, the Magus. Right. Oh wow. Got, yeah. Oof. Oof. Yeah. Yeah, so all of that is really interesting and informative and is really impressive what movie makers and and new uh, comic book writers, what they'll, like, know to pick and choose. <laughs> because if you go back, <laughs> that's the thing, right? Like, so, like, when Endgame and all that shit was coming out, like, 
you know, a major Canadian retailer was like, oh my God, you couldn't keep copies of the Infinity Gauntlet trade on the shelf. I just remember getting it in and being like, you're going to be some disappointed people <laughs> when y'all buy this yeah. book. And you're like, who's this orange dude who's so important and takes the gauntlet at the end of it? And like, anyway, so all of that the Ru- is... The point is the Russos were like, yeah, soft pass. <laughs> we don't need any of that. Yeah. And, and I think that that's, I mean, that's really impressive how far the medium has come. And why there is a distinction between comic books and graphic novels. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyways, very educational. Um, and I'm going to keep on reading because I find it sort of like, it's like a glimpse into the past. Thank you, Jeff. I know he doesn't listen to the show, but I'm thinking about it anyways because he's the one who, who got it for me. So yeah, so besides that, I think I had mentioned a couple shows back that my book had come in. I had ordered uh, Perdido Station. Yes. Um, and I did not realize, well, I should have known. So it's by China Melville. I've read a couple of his things. I really liked Rail C. I was talking to someone and they... Uh, suggested because he's written quite a bit. They suggested Pretty Do Station. It was Pretty Do Street Station, sorry. And I didn't. I expected like when you read something that's fantasy or science fiction, a lot of the time you'll crack it open and and it'll be sort of like a subtle difference, or you'll or it'll be like subtly you'll go through and learn things about the world that's different from our own. Mm-hmm. With China Melville, he's just like. Bam. Like, he, there's no slow – like, you will learn more and more about the world and what's going on about the characters, but he immediately just pushes you right into it. And I kind of admire that, right? Like, he, he's not thinking his reader is stupid. Like, he's like, it's fine. They'll get it. And the world – and I'm like, maybe two chapters in is so fucking weird. Like, it's just so strange. It's such a strange place. Um, and I kind of love that and I'm enjoying it and I should have known better <laughs> to think like, Oh, it's going to be like, a some interesting fantasy novel. No, no, it's going to be weird. Cause it's, it's China Melville. And that's, that's it for what I'm reading. Uh, and I think that's it for what I've been up to. Uh, what have I been getting into? How do I want to do this? Well, as far as YouTube goes, since I can't, strap Kate down to a chair and force her to watch what I've been discovering on YouTube. Sometimes I just have to send her screenshots, like when yeah. Ida Rokako, the girl who uh, fucked up playing the piano at the Aqua Live show, um, tried to draw an elephant and birthed one of the like the most infamous meme in Love Life fandom. Because <laughs> that thing was... <laughs> Yikes. I also saw something else where like recently like a piece of fan art got sent into them and it was like the entire cast of love life sunshine fighting like a kaiju monster but the monster was rikako's elephant oh my god that's amazing i tried to find i've seen that elephant (laughs) and then there was a thing later there's like a later thing where they were talking about like favorite um it had to do with like the anniversary of the first tappy tab game i was playing and they're talking about, you know, their favorite outfits from there. And there, there have been animal-themed ones. And Rikako was like, why, why is Rico always in an elephant costume? I just, there's a few of them. 
I think I'm getting bullied, but I don't, I don't know that <laughs> I can't prove it. <laughs> um, I think maybe just because they were younger at the time they were doing Love Live, like they're, and I think also they've done more. Like, I don't think social media and live streaming was as big a thing when Muse was doing it. I think definitely right. Aqua sort of came, <laughs> came of age during the, uh, the Twitter streaming, the periscoping meme culture, as it were, became more of a thing. Like, there's definitely shots of, like, you know, the horse mask, the infamous horse mask. Yes. Yeah, there's definitely, like, you can find footage of, like, as a punishment, one of them had to, like, sit on stream wearing a horse mask, and it's hysterical. So that's that's fun. That's fun YouTube. Uh, we'll go fun, somber, and then fun again on YouTube. Somber YouTube. I woke up this morning after failing completely to do some uh, laundry at dawn. I had grand plans last night. I was like, yeah, get all the laundry together. I got masks now, so I'm not going to be stressed out. I'm going to go do that laundry. And then it was 1230 at night, and I said, I am not doing that laundry tomorrow. And I woke up and saw some, I don't even know who posted it. Some, somebody I follow on Instagram, some magazine or something I follow on Instagram was like, Hey, Japanese musician, pianist, composer, Ryuichi Sakamoto, uh, posted a full length performance on YouTube called, uh, playing the piano, playing the piano for the isolated. I think it's called, um, it's like just under two hours. It's like on the one hand, it's just him doing like piano pieces and talking about, they filmed it in April and then it aired on a Japanese station for a month. And now it's just free and subbed on YouTube. Dude's in like his mid seventies now. Like he's honestly a national treasure. If you don't know him, he was in yellow magic orchestra back in the day. He was a session player, all the city pop shit. I like, he usually played keys on like 90% of it just as a session guy. And like the middle and this is kind of him too, like in the middle, front half, beautiful piano pieces, back half, beautiful piano pieces, middle part, he brings in a shamisen player, <laughs> which is oh. like, you know, if you, a shamisen is like traditional Japanese instrument closest to a guitar or like a banjo, Japanese banjo, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, dude plays uh, three traditional shamisen pieces and then they just like jam for 20 minutes. <laughs> Sakamoto, like, grabs a guitar and, like, busts out the Ebo. Anyway, that part might be a tough hang. I'm not going to say that's for everybody, but, like, you, you know, there are timestamps in the comments. And, like, I was just making my little fruit bowl before we started recording today because I eat fruit bowls now, apparently. And okay. <laughs> who are you? God. Look, I don't, I'm the guy who has a fruit bowl for breakfast. And at the same time yesterday was like, you did pretty good today while you were eating. Completely, like, gaslighting myself out of the fact that I ate two-thirds of a bag of mint cream Oreos. So, <laughs> oh, I bought the Oreos, ate two-thirds of them minutes after I got home. But then, like, by the time I was having a salad at, you know, 8.30 p.m., I was like, you did pretty good today. Good job, dummy. But yes, just if if you want to, you want to feel everything while you're making your fruit bowl. Like listening to Ryu, Ryuichi Sakamoto play piano uh, solo is that'll. And then at the end, it's just like the small crew wearing masks, holding up signs about like staying safe and stuff like that. As he, I, I don't even know if he was like he played his last song and then he was like jamming through the credits, just playing something beautiful because he's a genius musician and could just be like, "Oh, you want something to cry to? Cool, bam, there you go." Um. And it's beautifully shot and just like, eh, for YouTube, it's good times. Uh, my comp YouTube, 
in my feel good YouTube is a series from uh, Amoeba Music. Amoeba Music is a record store in Los Angeles. They had an iconic location that they were going to be moving from. They have not been able to um, have a proper send off due to the Rona. Um, so when they right. reopen, they'll be in their new location. And like Amoeba's been around forever. It's like maybe I don't. I don't give a fuck about California or that whole vibe, but like I would go to California to go to Amoeba because it's like an insane, insane record store. And they have a web series called what's in my bag where just like people from across industries and genres of music and whatnot, they like go shopping at Amoeba and then talk about what they picked out and I can't go digging right now. So So you're like, I'm going to watch all of this. I watch other people do it. I pick and choose. Like, Fat Mike from NoFX, I don't think you're going to have much I'm interested in. I don't mean to... Hey, you don't know that, though. I don't mean to paint with a wide brush. He was a fun interview and talked about how Henry Rollins hates him and wants to beat him up, but I mean... And how when they played Las Vegas, they got in a whole heap of trouble because uh, they said at least they weren't playing country music. Maybe nobody will get shot. Shortly after the Las Vegas shooting. Oh, oh no. Punk rock, y'all. Um, yeah, who who was really good on there? It was a really good one I watched. Um, oh, no, Mike Huckabee. That's what it was. He died recently from COVID-related complications. He wasn't so much a performer. He was a DJ and more like a advocate. He worked, he worked forever at a Detroit record store called Record Time. And he mm-hmm. had a what's in my bag and was just kind of like, techno and dance music and that type of DJ culture, like, I don't know if you just feel that you have, like, blind spots culturally about things you know that exist and are a big thing, but you just know nothing about it. Like, do you have that? Or do you consider um, most of that? <laughs> do you consider most of culture like that? I, that that's most, outside of your Venn diagram. No, no, that's not true, because if I'm, if I'm kind of know about something, or it, it, I think it's important, I'll, like, research it, but there are huge, yeah, huge gaps and and. I guess a better a better analogy is like is there like an element of sci-fi that like you know nothing about like like a super hard Alistair Reynolds type sci-fi is it just like a gap that you understand it's a thing but it's like has no you've never really been able to get into it like because I you know you know what you know what there is a, a gap not in sci-fi but in fantasy mm. um, which is the like the high fantasy like wheel of time right 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 like I ugh, I read this. <laughs> I don't even want to talk about the series I read. It was terrible. and Don't go in on Rothfuss very... again. Well, no, no, it wasn't. I've never, I've never read Wheel of Time. Um, I'm trying to think if I there was someone gave me, like, one of the, like, D&D high fantasy books. Mm. Did not, could not get into that. Maybe a couple that were, like, one-offs or whatever that I thought were good. But by and large... I just, I don't know. I just, I'm like, there's so many other things to read. Like, uh, there's a couple of things I really liked, but all I'm saying is that, like, high fantasy, there's a huge aspect of high fantasy that I just don't understand and I can't get into. And, like, for me, like, I try to appreciate or at least, you know, pay attention to or be aware of, you know, most music that's out there. Um I mean, we know how I feel about trap drums and that whole, like, you know, kid drug rap type of thing. And I'm not really, like, into it. But, you know, like, I'll 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 do my due diligence and I'll scan, like, you know, rap caviar for two seconds just to be like, what are we into? Blah, blah, blah. 
like techno, I appreciate it. I know how important it is, but like when they talk about like the movement festival in Detroit, which was like this, you know, this huge, it was originally the Detroit electronic music festival and like closes with like some like, you know, Carl Craig or, you know, hard house techno DJ type of thing. And they're going for like three hours and it's just like the for 10,000 people. And I'm like, what or what is in this for you? Like, cause I can appreciate it. Maybe it's drugs, but I mean, anyway, no, we, no, we don't I, need to, inter- we don't need to interrogate that. All I'm saying is that like, I understand who this guy was and the role he played. And I was just like, he popped up on my YouTube page. on like doing one of these amoeba was in my bags. And I was like, Tell me, techno guy, what are you into? And he was into Pharaoh Sanders and spiritual jazz. So I was like, cool. Yeah, Teach me about right. that. So, yeah, that's kind of what I was into on YouTube. I'm going to save that for the end. Uh, things that we've talked about before, Last Dance continues to be Last Dance. It's dope. Talked a lot in the last couple episodes about Michael Jordan being a jackass. Yep. <laughs> being a hard teammate to play with. And uh, what the hell was it? It was, oh, it was dealing with his retirement. He had won his third, the Bulls had won their third championship in a row. They had three-peated. Uh, I forgot about this. I thought he just died. Michael Jordan's dad was murdered. Oh. <laughs> I didn't know that. And they won the championship on Father's Day. <laughs> so it's like, oh, the episode ends with Michael Jordan, like, legit just lying on the floor, like, holding a basketball, like, sick, heaving, sobbing. Like, oh. like, not I'm happy to have won. Like, I am an animal in pain right now. <laughs> it's like, yo, never saw that footage before. Yeah. Um, And then he's like, I'm done. And he went off to play baseball for 18 months, which yeah, I don't know so if that's weird. a thing you knew happened. But, yeah, he went into the into the White Sox Farm League for 18 months. Um, And apparently, I mean, it was like he got roasted by Sports Illustrated and, like, never talk sports illustrated again after that because apparently the joke is like he went and was terrible like you know just because you're this doesn't mean you're that but like yeah. as they point out in this like he was he had like a 13 game winning streak and then people started throwing him breaking balls and it was like he didn't he didn't hit a home run again um right but he was you know there was something could have been developed there but I don't know if it was, like, on the heels of Space Jam or something else. But, like, he started getting kind of the basketball itch again. Anyway, we talked about how, like, you never want to, like, <laughs> don't ever believe in yourself around Michael Jordan. That's basically the, <laughs> that's basically the, the takeaway. <laughs> because they were fighting, uh, fighting, because it was war, right? Um, they were, he had come back, but, like, a couple former of his former teammates end up on this other team. One of them was this guy, BJ Armstrong, and was he, he may have been with the Hornets. He may have been with the Charlotte Hornets, and Horace Grant going to the Orlando Magic were, like, who they faced in the finals. Um, but BJ Armstrong was basically walking around Charlotte saying, I know how to beat the Bulls. Like, I know how to beat Jordan. Um, because right. he played with them for so long. And basically, they won, I think, game one with this, like... BJ Armstrong buzzer beater. Like he got one over on him. Like they won the game and he had a really good night. His problem was BJ turned to the bench of the bulls on some like, ah! <laughs> like, and to Jordan's yeah. eyes, it's really like a BJ should have known better. Like <laughs> that's right. literally what he says. And so dude got clapped back for like three, <laughs> the following three games and got knocked out of the playoffs. That's how dude got down. It does show Jordan trying to reconcile a little bit with like, 
his style and like how people reacted to that. And he, he kind of, I don't know what he was talking about, but he breaks down crying at the end of one of the episodes, just kind of being like, if you don't want to play that way, don't play like, like, I know what I'm, I know what I'm here to do. And if you, and you've seen what I've done. So if you don't want to do that, then fuck off basically. Um, Hey, he can join the team, (laughs) which some people, I guess might find admirable. I have a complicated relationship with that attitude, but Hey, what the fuck do I know? I don't have six rings. That is not the documentary with last in the title that I am more, most interested in, Caitlin McKinnon. Oh. Last Dance is fine. Know what I'm here for? What are you here for? A five-part documentary on the WWE Network called The Last Ride. Ooh. So, Mark Calloway is a wrestler. You know him as The Undertaker. And for 30 odd years that he's been in the business, he has been fiercely protective of kayfabe, the business, never exposed the business. I think he gave one out of character interview that I'd ever seen on this Canadian show back in the day. And for the longest time, that was like the only interview you ever saw would take her out of character. And it was also kind of around the time he tweaked his character. He was less like, you know zombie mortician and more like, you know, biker guy. Um, right. In the early aughts where he kind of loosened up a bit, but then he kind of went back to the zombie dude. And his biggest thing for the longest time was he had this, he was undefeated at WrestleMania. He went 20 and 0 at WrestleMania, which I mean, does that mean anything in a sport where the results are predetermined? No, but it's still cool that this guy like was at the top of the game for so long that like the streak became bigger than, you know, any title match at WrestleMania. I was like, who's going to challenge the streak this year? Is this the year Undertaker loses? Ultimately, he loses to Bork Laser. Um, and I don't know when or why. They're, they're talking about that time. They talk about that match. And basically, this is a five-part documentary kind of about this late career Undertaker. And he is letting these dudes fall around. He's talking about how he's getting older and how he wants to end his career. And this is not a guy who does that, usually. So he's basically talking about how, like, as he's getting older, he can't perform the way he used to. And the streak made it possible for him to only work a month out of the year or work one or two shows. Because he would, to his match at Mania, spend the next, like, six months getting whatever surgery he needed to repair his body, rehab, and then get into the shape for the next year at Mania. Right. That's nuts. That is nuts. And basically what, where we leave off is he has this match with Roman Reigns. You show all this, you see all this great stuff backstage at WrestleMania that year, him talking to Jericho, Jericho's in it, which I did not think they were going to let happen. Cause I figured ever since he went and like became the dude at AEW that he was persona non grata. Um, it's funny that the night it aired, somebody posted like a screenshot of Jericho and Taker talking backstage at Mania. And bitching about how long the ramp was. Because they're always in, like, football yeah. stadiums, right? <laughs> and Taker's like, Taker's like, yeah, it's 88 yards, man. <laughs> it's like, 88 yards? Like, that's how far they have to go just to get to the yeah. ring. And somebody posted a screenshot, and Jericho was like, that's a great shot. Where'd you get that? <laughs> it's like, bro, it's from this documentary that you're in. So, yeah, he has this match with Roman Reigns, and I think what we're going to lead to is he had a few, like, 
he says a few times in this documentary, it's like, I don't want to go out there and have some, he doesn't want to think anybody's going to be out there telling their kids, you should have seen him win. Um, and he had a couple like not stinkers, but like, you know, all these dudes are probably like very cognizant of how their matches go. And in this match with Roman Reigns, there was like a kind of wonky spot where maybe Roman was supposed to give him a reverse something into a pile driver, but Taker couldn't quite, you know, his legs didn't have the spring to give Roman the assist to get him up type of thing. So it kind of like, bro, they both kind of fell. And then I think what this documentary is going to be is about him trying to like get that match. That's going to be like, yeah, I can feel good about that one. Um, and training for it, he had a Saudi Arabia match with Goldberg where like both of these dudes almost died. <laughs> like <laughs> Goldberg got knocked out. Taker almost got dropped on his head. Like, I haven't watched it just because I've heard it so brutal. Um, so it's just going to be fascinating to watch this dude of all people who like has traditionally not revealed that much about his, uh, his career and how he feels about it. And ultimately thinking about, you know, he was in that boneyard match at the last WrestleMania, you know, the, the, the one I said was like the movie roadhouse. Um, (laughs) (laughs) so that's probably ultimately what it'll lead to. And then like, it's, it's really interesting. You know, I live for inside looks at the business, but this guy, he never, he never does anything like this. So that's, that's very that's interesting. So cool. And the last thing, Caitlin, yeah, it had been a while. It's been a rough week. Y'all. I don't usually, I haven't talked about it much, but I mean, for a while now, it's been a time of, you know, heartbreak things ending and being taken away and losing things. It's been time of loss for all of us. But I sat down this week, Kate, and I really took stock emotionally. And I said, you know what? I think, I think, Caitlin. Yeah. I'm ready to love again. Oh, no. So I fired up Tara's house. Oh, no. Oh, that's it for the show, everybody. Friends, if you're new, shut up, Caitlin. (laughs) If you're new, Terrace House, to my mind, is one of the the Mount Rushmore items in the history of this podcast. The chillest reality show ever. And every time a new batch of episodes would come out for this current season, Tokyo 2019-2020, this is on Netflix, by the way, about six uh, young men, youngish men and women in Japan, uh, trying to find love. It is not like love is blind or too hot to handle or hook up hot shot, whatever any of these are is the chillest show ever. Where like, are they going to hook up? Do you want to go for dinner? Yes, I would. And then you watch them go to dinner. It's so yep. comfy. And then they have nothing in common. And then one of them is like, I'm in love with this person. And the other <laughs> one's like, eh. <laughs> But, you know, new episodes would come up and I would, you know, get the DMs from the, you know, typical Terrace House Mafia being like, oh, are you going to watch those new episodes? And I'm like, I don't know that I can, honestly, because this is a show where, like, every cinematographic choice is made to make Japan look as dope as possible. And in this season, especially where they are in the heart of Tokyo, it's like, it's, I'm not going to lie, it's still really hard. Yeah, of course it is. Now, the good thing, though, is you are going to go to Japan. Yeah, eventually. But it's like, you know, it, it's it's hard twofold. It's hard on the one because it's like, yes, look at all these beautiful places I wish I could have gone to. 
And on the other, it already, they filmed these episodes last, the ones I'm watching now, I think were filmed last fall. And it's like already frozen in amber. It's like, oh, remember how the world used to be? That's rough. (laughs) Beautiful shot, you know, drone helicopter shots of, you know, the city, the Olympic stadium being built. It's like, oh, right. The Olympics, that, that was going to happen. Because I think that's what they were ultimately building to. I think this was going to be like in Tokyo the year before the Olympics started. I think they were going to run till, uh, till this summer. And it's just, it's already feels just like it's for like one guy like plays, he plays basketball professionally. I don't know what kind of league they have in Japan, but he is a pro basketball player. He's talking about how he wants to, he would love to represent Japan in the Olympics. And it's like, Ooh, yeah, well, we know how that went. So, I mean, it's, it's hard for a few reasons in that respect, but I just, Kate. Yeah. I got to go in for one second because we got to talk about Shohei again. We're talking about what? We got to talk about Shohei. Shohei is the dude on the show who he was one of the first cast members this season. And he was the dude. I get, I think I mentioned this when I started, when I started this batch of episodes that way back when that like the one thing you will learn about Terrace House one is that like (laughs) blow off fights in Japan are like the chillest things ever. And also with this cast, especially it's like, you must have one thing. Right. You must have that oh, dream focused drive. Oh, I remember this guy drive. now. Yeah. And Shohei was the dude who's like, he's basically like a gig economy millennial. Like, so nobody in the West, like, I, fuck it, I went on Reddit. Like, nobody in the West sees any problem with Shohei. Right. He writes articles for, he writes travel articles for websites. He does some modeling. He does some acting. He does a little of this and a little of that. And to his mind, it's just like, I just want to make enough money so that my family doesn't have to suffer. Like... That's what's in it for me. For him, the whole, like, traditional, like, you know, I, I finished that Japanese history book this week, too. But, like, that whole, like, Zaibatsu, job for life, loyalty only to the company mindset, that ain't him. He ain't feeling that, like, at all. And Shohei gets dragged by the panel all the time. Or barely talked about at all. Dude was in a porno movie. There were titties in Terrace House. Which I was not expecting. Of all the places I expect to find titties in my day-to-day life. Terrace House. Not one of them. <laughs> Dude was like acting in a softcore movie. Shows him on set. Movie looks terrible. Whatever. But it's like... <laughs> they cut to the panel. The panel has nothing to say about it. They want to talk about Kenny the Musician guy. It's like, are, we're just going to ignore all that. All that. We're not going to pay any attention to that. Meanwhile, Ruka, the 21-year-old, literally wants to be Spider-Man. He says this multiple times. He doesn't want to, like, be an actor. He doesn't want to portray Spider-Man. He wants to be Spider-Man. And gets frustrated that he can't really express this to people. They'll spend 20 minutes talking about Ruka and how sweet and naive he is. But Shohei's just like, blah, he's so immature. He needs a dream. He needs to focus, blah, blah, blah. You know what Shohei did (laughs) this batch of episodes? Without telling anyone, dude dipped at 5 a.m. and left the show. (laughs) Packed his shit, wrote on the chalkboard, and dipped. (laughs) My dude, that's how you do it. Bringing the Irish exit to the Japanese reality show. (laughs) Um, And there have been a few cast members in and out in this batch, but, like, I am here for Hannah, who just joined in the last episode I watched. She is a Joshipuro Resu. She wrestles for stardom in Japan, which is one of the leading uh, Japanese lady wrestler promotions. Your girl Kairi Sane came from there. Asuka may have worked 
for them at some point. Yoshirai. Basically, if you are a Japanese wrestler that made your way to the WWE, you went through stardom. So I cannot wait to see what, what she brings to the show as well. This, how much wait sorry, how many episodes in are you? Of this batch? Yeah. Um it's hard to say. There's three parts of twelve episodes, I think, and I think I'm midway through part two. Okay. Um, part two. Oh, I I did not watch it for a long time, Caitlin. Oh my god. Yeah. Um. Initially, I wasn't watching it because it seemed like they were really trying to pair up uh, Kauri with Ruka, and Kauri was like my best girl of the season. And yeah. Oh, Ruka. He shows one of the new girls these like drawings. He's like, "Do you want to see my art?" It literally looks like a child drew them. Like, and that's what it was. So they showed this, like, super awkward moment where, like, he's showing them to another 21-year-old, but she's, like, a, you know, a little more mature. And, again, her dream is she just wants to be a flight attendant. Nothing wrong with being a flight attendant, but it's not like some, like, t- I don't see, you know, wanting to be a flight attendant being any more impressive than Shohei acting in softcore movies and writing articles for travel websites. Like, I don't know. That's just me. Like, um. But it shows Ruka showing these drawings to the aspiring flight attendant, and then it cuts to the panel, and they all immediately go like, nope, nope. <laughs> They're, like, ducking. Like, we do not want that. We do not want oh to talk God. about this, because it's going to be bad. And I have been tipped off that apparently right before Ruka leaves the show, he watches the episode <laughs> <gasps> where they're talking about him. <laughs> because oh, no. terrorists also get meta like that. Like, they watch the show while they're on the show, which... That's weird. Yeah, like, not a lot of... Usually, you're so, like, sequestered. On reality shows, you're, like, sequestered from life. Like, if you're on Big Brother, you're locked away. You're not, like, watching yourselves on it. Whereas they're always commenting on the time about how people, like, kind of make adjustments to their personalities based on what, um, sort of, like, you know, comment threads and shit like that will say. So, yeah, I know know that's coming. (laughs) That's going to be R-U-F-F. So, yeah, y'all. Terrace House, they have shut down production. They weren't supposed to be done, but I don't know how far they got into, like, when they stopped or how far they filmed or what's going to air, but, like, it'll be interesting and odd when the realities of the world start to creep into Terrace House. I'm curious to see how much of that is uh, going to happen and uh, how the show kind of responds to it. I know it gets way more international. Like, there's an Italian guy on it right now. Really? Yeah. He's a manga artist. He's actually got his... He had some scenes that... I didn't want to like this dude because he's so pretty. Oh, my God. He's gorgeous. Um, I kind of want to see now. But I didn't, I didn't want... I didn't... His name's Pepe. I didn't want to... His name's Giuseppe, but everybody calls him Pepe. Um, I didn't want to like him because he's so beautiful and I thought everybody was just going to be like, oh, Pepe, he's so dreamy. He's... He literally oh God, he's dreamy. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> she found him already. <laughs> Um, she just looked at Pepe Terrace House and it was like his gorgeous jawline. I did. I put Terrace House Pepe and there he is. Yeah, he's from Italian, born and raised. He had moved, I don't, he taught himself enough of the language, moved to Japan four years ago, I think, because he wanted to be a manga artist and he got hired as an apprentice and apparently sold his manga about an Italian foreigner who comes to Japan to look for love um, to one of the more major weeklies in Japan. So you get a few shots of him. Like with his editor talking about kind of the ins and outs about what his turnaround time is going to be. Like his story has been interesting if you're interested in like, you know, the manga industry and the the weekly grind of that, um, which nobody on the show really has ever uh, done before. Not to his extent anyway. I mean, there's always been aspiring artists and singers and stuff, but like 
he's in it. He's making it happen. And like, this is obviously he'll probably leave around the time his manga um, launches. And I know there's like a flat out like white girl in this batch of episodes. Like I've scanned the like title descriptions and there's some chick who's like, she just, she looks fucking Swedish. Like, I don't know how she got there, but <laughs> Hey, it's getting real multicultural it's in Japan. Super. And the, yeah, the Hana girl is half Indonesian. Like it's, Pepe was the, I thought he was at least a half of, he's like, no, he's full hundred percent Italian. Um, and just like, dude's got a real good energy. I got to give it to him. <laughs> ladies want to love, ladies want to love him. Dudes want dudes love to be like him. Like he's, he's a real, he's a real chill cat. Makes so many jokes about how there are Italian words that sound exactly like the Japanese slang for penis. <laughs> anyway, Terrace House. I'll try not to talk about it again every week, but just felt felt good to let love in a little bit again kate keep keep the dreams alive between porno actresses encouraging me to go back and bringing terrace house back in trying to get her eyes back on that prize again amazing well this has been great i've learned so much i never thought i'd be interested in terrace house (laughs) i know what it is you know what it is it's because i've been watching so many of this like day in the life japanese videos right um and Japan videos. And like, there's this one guy who does them. I, I can't remember his name, but his, like he'll narrate some of it, but then they'll just be huge amounts in Japanese. And I recognized the Japanese word the other day. <laughs> and I was like, Oh my God. Like besides kawaii, like besides that, obviously I know that one, but there was some other word. And I was like, Oh my God, I know what that is. Uh, I was very excited. Caitlin, you have to be careful. Kawaii Why? is cute. Kawaii yeah. is scary. Yeah. In Japanese, great. <laughs> so I remember, I can't remember what word it was you told me about. That it was like five different, very slight variations, and they all mean different things. Oh, it's a key. It's just the word key, which is most common. Yeah, I think it's most commonly like the verb for to like to hear something, but depending on how it's, what kanji it's written in, it means like a million different things. Amazing. Or like, okay. I recently learned wakaremashita uh, is like I understand, but like naruhodo is I understand this new information that you're telling me. Like that's that's the contextual version. Like I did not know this before, and you told me, and now I understand it. So naruhodo. <laughs> I love it. Japan. I love it. Well, friends, the notebook is closed, so on that note, I suppose we will wrap up episode 199 of the Geek Down Pod. Join us next week for episode 199 of the Geek Down Pod. <laughs> if you would like a listening guide to keep all of these straight, get at us on Twitter at Geek Down Pod. Get up off Twitter. We will, be, we will offer you clear listening instru- instructions. Thank you for joining us, as you do every week, friends. It truly means the world to us. Enjoy your week. Stay sane. Stay safe. My name is Jordan Ferguson. My name is Caitlin McKinnon. The theme song is by Rob Gasser. And I hope that you have a lovely week and that you will join us next week for another amazing episode of the Geek Down Podcast. Did you want to sing your song again? Waveforms, waveforms, Caitlin has waveforms.